Relationships 101, because we never graduate from doing life together. We're always in relationships, even when we don't want to be. And uh, we're growing in that business of relationships. And this morning, we're going to look at communication killers, some things that really tear out the business of relationships. And before we um, read the scripture, I'd like for us to have a time of meditation, to be in God's presence, a time of silence, a time of centering. You may use this time to pray, to confess sin, to just experience God's love. Uh, Bow with me, please, and then I'll lead us in a time of prayer. Already, God, the blessings have washed over us richly. Our hearts have been warmed and opened. You are a great God and a loving God, and you have spoken to us in ways that are clear and rich and sweet. We want to be in your presence in a way that's meaningful and transformational. Pray that you'll pour into our hearts a greater love for you, pour into our hearts a greater love for one another, greater insight into what it means to get along and to be rich and deep in relationships. On this Memorial Day weekend, we are burdened by the violence in the world. The shootings in Santa Barbara and in Belgium break our hearts. We pray that somehow there might be an end to these cycles of violence and mayhem. We pray your blessing and comfort to those who've lost loved ones. We thank you, God, for those serving in the armed forces, those who've laid down their lives for us, for first responders who have sacrificed their lives. We ask, God, that you bless other lands, other countries today as they strive for liberty and and peace. We pray for the elections in Ukraine and for our sister uh, congregation there and uh, our partner church uh, and its pastor, that you'd give them courage and safety as they serve. We, God, uh, we pray, God, for the sick in our congregation, for the troubled and the grieving, for the mentally ill, and for those who are uh, battling all kinds of job-related stresses. We pray that you would be the God who blesses, who undergirds, who fortifies, who liberates. Guide us now as we think about relationships, as we think about hearing a fresh word from you. Let the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I want to read aloud the Ephesians 4 scripture, and I'll invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians 4, 25 through 32, uh, one of the richest passages I know in the Bible about communication. Uh, Ephesians 4, 25 through 32, it will be on the screen, but you may want your Bible open because I'm going to be referring uh, fairly often to several of these verses. And I invite you to stand as I read aloud uh, the word from God this morning from Ephesians 4, 25 and following. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up 
as there is need, so that the words, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. The Word of God for us. May He bless it. You may be seated. Communication. The art of transmitting and receiving what's, what was intended to be transmitted and received. Now that sounds simple, doesn't it? Just transmit what you mean and then hear what was intended. Right. Sometimes we give mixed signals. A little girl was walking with her mother in the park one day and a, and a dog came up to uh, the mother and daughter and the dog was growling but his tail was wagging. And the little girl said, Mama, I don't know which end to believe. And sometimes I'm that way. How about you? Don't know which end to believe. Don't know, don't know which signal to uh, take as the real message. Most of us by now have uh, seen the statistics by... Albert uh, Morabian and uh, the studies that have been done on communication about how much of communication is verbal, how much of communication is nonverbal. 55% of communication, he said in his study, uh, was body language, you know, how you're sitting, how you're clenching your fist, your facial expression. 38% of communication is tone of voice. 7% of communication consists of the actual words used. Now, I will do a disclaimer for those of you who have advanced degrees in communication. Not everybody agrees with those figures. Not everybody agrees with the research. But that's a good starting point for us to understand uh, how complicated communication is. And then when you add to that, this number that I'm going to share with you that will not be on the screen, 247 billion. 247 billion. You know what that is? That's the number of emails sent across the earth in one day. 247 billion. And by the way, that statistic is probably cold and probably behind times now. 247 billion. And, and talk about missing all of the nuances of communication. Uh, just try emailing something that you have strong feeling about and see how that works for you. And so you see the kind of world we live in. And then there's, you know, in communication, there's nothing funnier. There's nothing, there's nothing more uh, amazing than the whole business of communication between the sexes, between men and women. Uh, there, there's just, there are so many studies out that it, it isn't funny, but it is. Uh, there's a thing going around now on Facebook and, and Internet, and I, I tried to find the source so I could attribute the source, but... Uh, I, I couldn't find it. It's entitled, The Five Deadly Terms Used by a Woman. It's the, it's the thing the woman says that the man never gets. Okay, you ready for this? First of all, the woman says fine. You know what fine means? This is a word women use to end an argument because she knows she's right. She knows she's right and you need to shut up. And then the second one is uh, nothing. Nothing means something, and you need to be worried. <laughs> and then the third one is, go ahead. 
This is a dare, not permission. A dare and not permission, so you'd better not do it. Here's the next one. Whatever. A woman's way of saying, fooey on you. Although I cleaned that one up for church. That's not the way it's printed in Facebook. And then this one. That's okay. She's thinking long and hard about how and when you will pay for this mistake. And then there's a bonus. There was originally five, but there's a bonus. And the last one is wow. That's the bonus. This is not a compliment, men. She's amazed that one person could be so stupid. That's what wow means. Now, guys, have you got this? You're going to be tested over this, and not by me. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's just amazing. Communication is such a complex sort of thing. And as usual in our Relationships 101, as we've been looking at various topics, God's Word has some very clear and helpful instruction for us. Um, it's interesting to me that the passage of Scripture I read has like bookends on each end. Verse 25, we are members of one another. And then verse 32, about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Both of those bookends serve our purposes very, very effectively because both are very, very important. The first bookend, we are members of one another, is Paul's teaching that we are a part of a larger body called the church. Healthy communication is rooted in healthy community. And you could say it the other way around. Healthy community is rooted in healthy communication. The two go together. And then the other bookend is verse 32. That's the verse that closes the passage. The person and the work of Jesus Christ should guide all of our communication. Who Jesus is, what He's done for us, God's love for us in sending Christ to forgive our sins, that should guide all of our communication. So we've got this community called the church that, uh, that is a seedbed for healthy communication, or should be, and we've got the person and work of Jesus guiding all communication. Those are the bookends. Now, in between, there are many, many helpful teachings in between verses 25 and 32, and we don't have time to look at all of them, but look particularly at verse 26. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't go to bed angry. It means in communication we are to keep our accounts very short, that we are to stay up to date. Feelings are strong, and feelings need expression, because when feelings that are strong do not get expressed, they fester and they become something they're not supposed to be. And so those feelings need expressed, and God's Word says that we are, to, we're, we are occasionally angry. That's an honest emotion, an honest response. It's not getting angry that's a sin. It's what we might do with it that's a sin. And be angry, but don't sin. Keep short accounts. Uh, have you ever fixed an omelet for supper and maybe a cheesy omelet, and you get busy watching TV and you forget to to sit it, to, to put it to soak, and you let it sit, and then you, after a day or two, you think, well, maybe it'll just go away if I leave it there. And then after a week or so, you, you see stuff growing in it, and you think, well, this is interesting. Maybe this is a science experiment. You know, the longer you put it off, the stickier it gets. And it's a lot easier to clean that skillet right afterwards than it is to let it sit. You get the point. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, that's not all about communication because 
we could take that to the extreme and do it in an unhealthy way and communicate truth in a way that's always hurting people. And I think it's interesting that Paul balances that out in verse 29 by saying that no evil talk should come out of our mouths, but only that which is good for building up. Uh, there was a very wise pastor's wife in my life when I first went into the ministry, and she, she said her rule of thumb was always tell the truth, but don't always be telling it. You know, always tell the truth, but you don't have to tell it all the time. There's a time and there's a place and there's a way that is appropriate. And there is this teaching in verse 29, let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up. Evil talk, the Greek word means vile or putrid or poisonous or ugly or nasty. Let none of that come out of your mouth, but only that which is useful for building up. And the, the Greek word for building up is the one that's used in Ephesians 2.20 and Ephesians 2.22. Those are architectural terms. Those are construction terms that talk about building up a life rather than tearing down a life. How do you know whether you ought to say something or just keep your mouth shut? Simple test, verse 29, Ephesians 4. Does it build up or does it tear down? Simple test. Does it, does it build up and bless and encourage and, and strengthen or does it poison and, and, and uh, put a pall over other people's lives? Does it destroy? Does it hurt? Does it lacerate? Does it cut? Paul says we need to be communing, communicating words that bless. That's the New English Bible translation. Words that minister grace to the ones who hear. Grace is a big deal in the book of Ephesians. God's grace, we don't deserve this love. God's grace sends Jesus Christ to love us and forgive us, give us what we need, not what we deserve. God's grace is a major doctrine in Ephesians, but Paul says that major doctrine is to be sprinkled into ordinary conversation. God's grace is to be peppered and, and spread through normal encounters of life that we actually have the capacity with our words to minister God's grace, God's favor, God's kindness to other people by the language we use, by the way we communicate as well as what we say. That's a, that's a huge responsibility, isn't it? Uh, I have a little practical assignment I want to give you. I don't know that anybody will take me seriously, but here is a very practical assignment you can do regarding Ephesians 4.29. I want you to, uh, when you go home today, take a piece of paper and put it on the bulletin board in the busiest place in your house, probably the kitchen, uh, or on the refrigerator with some magnets, and I want you to go to the store, uh, the dollar store, and buy some uh, smiley face stickers and some sad face stickers. And all week long, every time you hear yourself speaking a word that is evil or destructive or unhelpful or critical or negative, every time it comes out of your mouth or through your fingers on email or Facebook, I want you to put a sad face sticker on that piece of paper. And by the way, you can do this with your smartphone too. You, know, you can do the smiley face, the sad face, you can create in your notes uh, this very same little uh, exercise. Every time you hear yourself this week, speak a word that blesses, a word that builds up, 
a word that encourages, a word that helps. You take a smiley face sticker and, and put it up there. And at the end of the week, I want you to see how many sad faces you have up there and how many smiley faces you have up there. I think it would help us all to honestly measure some of the rot that comes out of our mouths and some of the rot that comes through our fingers on the keyboard. Verse 31 says, put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with malice. I want to sort of put this in a, in a nutshell because it's such a huge topic and I, I want to share with you just five uh, simple things that I think scripture is teaching us about communication and communication killers. And I'm not implying that communication is a simple five-step plan. I'm just trying to summarize and quickly get my, my lips around and, and our minds around some key thoughts. And so here very quickly, uh, if, you, if you're writing them down, you take notes, leave room for five things. First of all, in communication, we use I language, not you language. We don't say, you make me angry. You say, I was upset by what you said. See the difference? You make me angry is, is putting responsibility on the other person. Nobody makes us angry. We choose to be. I was upset takes responsibility for our own actions. Second one, talk with somebody, not about somebody or to somebody or at somebody. A lot of times we'll talk about somebody rather than talk with that person. Or we'll talk at that person in a condescending way, but we talk with that person. Not about, not at, not even to, but with that person. Number three, we practice active listening. Now, in a couple of Sundays, we're giving a whole sermon to the spiritual dimension of listening, so we won't say much about it now except to say this, that listening is more than waiting your turn to talk. You got that? Did you hear that, what I just said about listening? The irony is there. We don't just wait our turn to talk, we actively listen, we engage in putting ourselves in the place of the person who's, who's speaking. The fourth one is to practice humility. You know, a lot of communication killers happen because we are so convinced that the way we heard something or the way we saw something is right, and we argue with the other person about what this person heard or saw that's so different than what we heard or saw, and we always believe we're right, and and uh, we even say things like, were you in the same meeting I was in? Did you just see the same thing happen that I saw? Were we even in the same county? I, and you don't even see things the same way. And that's a real tough dilemma in communication. Brain scientists, specialists in brain research, have made some amazing discoveries. What they're discovering is, the, is that the brain is the most complex computer ever and they've discovered that each time I recall an event, I call it from my memory bank up into my active mind, each time I recall an event, I slightly rewrite it. I slightly edit it even though I don't intend to. Before I store it again, before I hit the save button in my brain and store it away, a slight emendation, a slight 
a slight editing and rewriting has happened to that event so that, brain scientists say, as early as 24 hours after an event, we may have called and recalled and stored that same event and there may be as many as 18 edits that occur to that one event within 24 hours, depending on how much we, we think about it and recall it and ruminate. Now, you can check this out yourself. Uh, have you ever had the experience where you say to somebody about a movie you saw um, a month ago, a year ago, two years ago, you say, oh man, it's a great movie. They've got this incredible chase scene where this red sports car goes up and down these mountain roads really fast and the whole scene lasts about 30 minutes and it's just incredible all the things they do with the camera angles and everything and then you watch the movie with your friend and it's not a red car it's a blue car and the scene didn't last 30 minutes the scene lasted 30 seconds but in your mind you did a rewrite when you stored it because it made an impression on you and you filled in some things the way you wanted it to be happens all the time. So could we just practice some humility in communication? Could we say things like, the way I remember it is, or what I thought I heard was, and it goes a long way toward healthy biblical conversation. And then the fifth one is sort of related to that. We have to learn to accept diversity. We have to understand that communication is not primarily about convincing other people about our point of view. You know people like that, don't you? The only reason they communicate is to download their point of view on you and to convince you. That's not the primary purpose of communication. Remember what Paul said in verse 25? We are members of one another. That analogy is worked out more... Uh, in a larger fashion in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul said we're not all fingers, we're not all toes, we're not all ears, we're not all eyes and noses. Each body part is different, but each body part is important and to be coordinated by the head, Jesus Christ. We are not all alike. We are not supposed to be all alike. Communication is not primarily to change people, it's to learn and to grow. And here's a paradox. If you haven't learned it, learn it. When we try to change somebody through communication, through arguing, when we, try, when we try to change somebody, we are the least likely to change that person. There's very little chance of changing a person when you're trying to change a person. You know when change comes? When you both make a commitment to reasonable dialogue, and to a learning venture together. When you make a commitment to reasonable dialogue and to learn together, that's when change will come, not when you try to change another person. That's why Paul says we are members of one another before he ever started talking about these key communication concepts. And I love this quote by Bob Goff, an author. He said, I want to live in a new normal where I can reach out to people who are different from me and just be friends. He wrote that in Love Does. It's a great little book. I want to live in a new normal where I can reach out to people who are different from me and just be friends. The purpose of church is to not make us all alike. 
the purpose of church is to celebrate our differences and yet our unity in Jesus Christ. And communication is about enriching that experience, not making everybody like me. The book ends. We are members of one another. And Jesus Christ's kindness and tenderheartedness in forgiving us and giving his life for us. Everything we need to know about communication is in those bookends and in between. Who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and how we live as his body on earth. Let's pray together. Lord, we pause to just bless you and praise you for your great communication with us and sending the word Jesus Christ. And we open our hearts now to the living spirit who wants to do work in us and among us. Guide this time of response, we pray. With heads bowed, we just take a few moments and invite you if you've never trusted Christ as your personal savior. He is the liberator. He is the life transformer. It's not church that saves us. It's not good works that save us. It's Jesus Christ who gave his life for us and is alive again. And we want, to, we want to commend him to you and invite you to trust him this morning. During our response time, some of us will be here at the front. And if you're ready to make that commitment, we're here to help you if you want to come up. Maybe you've already trusted him and you want to share that with the church family. We invite you to come. Maybe the Lord's leading you to make this your church home. We welcome you to come at this time as well. Uh, whatever it is, maybe just a, a, a course correction in your own journey of relationships with the Lord and with others. Whatever the Lord's speaking to you about. God bless you. In that.